make sure the mic doesn't come off the stand. Everyone have a good week? No. Yeah, it's a little bit like that, isn't it? Like legitimately, we can have good weeks and we can have bad weeks in amongst good days and bad days and, and in that, at the same time, we can have a day that's full of good and bad, can't we? Yeah, but that's life. <laughs> that is certainly life. Last week, I was talking about um, preparing ourselves, getting us ready for worship. And I made a comment, and I'll make it very clear again today for those that are at home and for those that are super grace lovers, this has got nothing to do with our salvation. It doesn't posture us to become God's favourites. As Mel said, God doesn't have favourites, yet he does have favourites because I'm his favourite. But, but in the same breath, you can say the same words. Yeah, Each and every one of us are God's favourites. Yeah, We've got to understand that. That's how God is. It's how he moves. That's how big his love is. But when it comes to posturing yourself or getting ready for worship, it's something that we do because we are just overly, utterly, completely, madly in love with God. Yeah? That's why we do it. Not because we have to. Yeah? If I hear another preacher saying, we don't have to do anything for Jesus. No, we don't. I don't have to do anything for my wife. But my marriage will fall apart if I do nothing. Yeah? Now, that's not like that with our faith, but with God... If we have truly embraced all that he did for us on the cross, then stuff just flows out because he fills my cup to overflowing. And so this, today I need to continue because I only got two points into <laughs> my five points. Not that I like calling them points, but some, just some stuff that's good for us to live. So there'll be a little bit of a, a summary. So if you weren't here last week, if you haven't listened to the sermon yet, not because I was preaching it, but I would encourage you to listen to it. I don't even know if, I know it's on YouTube, but I don't even know if the podcast is up yet. But listen to it just to give yourself a grounding for um, what I'm going to speak about today. So we are going to continue in Psalm 15, verses 1 to 5. We're going to pray, and God's going to do an amazing work amongst us. Do we believe it? Yeah. yeah? Because He will do more than we imagine, more than we think. More than we, if you expect to get nothing, You'll get a little bit past nothing, but if you, because he does more than that. But if you can imagine that God will do something extraordinary in your life just by being in the hearing, just by singing some worship songs, that's what you'll actually experience because he's faithful to his word and promise. Amen. So, Father, we just say, have your way today. Holy Spirit, move amongst the congregation. Move in my heart. Move in their heart. For those that are listening, God, we pray today that chains will be broken, shackles will be torn apart. Father, we pray that life will come to some. Lord, we just ask that you would do something so supernatural that when we go away, Lord, our, our conversation at the supermarket won't be, oh, yeah, I went to church today. It'll be like, man, I went to church today and God blew me away. Lord, may we have a God blow me away moment today. So have your way. We love you. We exalt you, we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 15, verse 1 to 5. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent, who may live on your holy mountain, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts who, and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept the bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. All right, so 
let's see if I can give a, a brief summary of last week. Last week I mentioned that everything in the world around us wants to lower the bar that God has set for us. See, God sets a bar that most people go, I can't live like that, I can't do that, it's impossible. But the reality is that in and with him, everything is possible, yeah? He doesn't set things out of our reach, he sets them where they look like they're out of their reach, but with him we have an extra amount of movement somehow, and we can reach anything that he sets before us, yeah? So the whole world around us wants to say to the Christian, look, we know you believe in that stuff, we know you believe the Bible, I know what the Bible says, but hey, it's okay for you, but I don't want to do it that way, and actually, in fact, for you guys, I don't think you should do it that way either, they try to lower the bar. I suggested last week that one of the most important questions you and I can ever ask ourselves and that we discover from Psalm 15 is the simple question of Lord who? Who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? Because what, when David writes this psalm, what he's looking for and what we're asking God our Father for is how can we actually be true worshippers that can step into these places, yeah? Now, we know we already have access, okay? This is the, 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 the wonderful, it's not even a, a conundrum. I just love the way the, the Bible plays out. We have access into the holy place because of Jesus, because we've accepted him, because of what he's done on the cross. But David wants to make it very clear that he's still asking the question, yeah? Because all of us have moments in, lo- in our life where we're not blameless, yeah? Like David wasn't blameless. We all have moments where we question our faith. And so he... He sets up this, this wonderful story in this psalm of, hey, here's some things you can do to get yourselves ready for worship, to posture yourself, you know. I know you're already there with God, but maybe this will help get your heart right, yeah. Because I know Christians everywhere, like that I've met over the years, that will say that they're Christians and they love the Lord, but they don't practice their faith, they, they don't, they don't want to worship, they're, you know, like it's... Man, I don't know how to put it. It's like saying that I'm a chef, but I never cook. Yeah? It's like saying that I'm a runner and I never run. Some things are obvious, if you're lying. (laughs) Some things are not so obvious in life. But anyway, so who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live in your holy mountain? We're trying to discover how we can be true worshippers. Now, the context of the psalm, and I talked about it last week, was around the tabernacle. And the priest's in that day would approach the holy things. They would do everything they could to make sure that everything was correctly prepared before they worshipped because it had to be perfect. Because if it wasn't perfect, you know, the poor old bells, you know, on their, on their robes would stop ringing and they dragged them out of the holy of holies with a rope because they dropped dead in the presence of God. We don't have to do that, right? I know I'm confusing people. Read some of the Old Testament. That's okay. But we don't have to do that because we've got Jesus. But the fact that these priests would take the time to prepare before they went in to worship is an example for us. Because all they were doing in the tabernacle, they were doing their best, everything they could to get ready for that moment of worship. Yeah. And so now we've got this context in Jerusalem in that psalm and the temple's not yet built. Yeah. And, and they're in an age where Israel is still on the holy mountain. They're still worshipping in a tent, probably in Mount Zion. Yeah? And the priest starts to get himself ready and to get others ready so that they can worship and they can offer sacrifices. That's the context of the psalm. Who may dwell now in that secret tent? Who, who may live in your holy mountain? Lord, who, David asks. So he's searching. 
And he's searching for a genuine worshipper. This is the basis. Um, and he's not looking for someone that does a little bit of religion. He's not looking for someone that kind of does their bit, but behind closed doors lives a different life. He's actually looking for somebody that worships God from their heart. Someone that lives out that life of worship all along, believing that they're stepping onto that holy mountain. Yeah. And last week we began to look practically, I guess, at some of the ways that show that, show that you're a true worshipper. And again, I say, we're not saved by works. We're not saved by any of this stuff. But it just postures us in a place. Because if we are truly saved, if we have truly embraced God, if we've truly embraced... And I, I love this because I love a challenge, right? If we've truly embraced God, then there is no other way to live but as a worshipper. If we're not living as a worshipper, the flip side of that coin is... Have I really embraced Jesus? Have I really experienced his love? Have I really taken on all that he has for me? Yeah? So the first thing we looked at last week really quickly was it's about our walk. Because verse 2 says, The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks truth from the heart of God. So that's the high bar that God sets. God has set it. Right? This high bar. Who can enter, you know, the sacred tent? The one whose walk's blameless. That's a high bar. Because David wasn't blameless. We know he wasn't blameless. He was sleeping around. I know that I'm not blameless. I have moments. you just got to ask my kids, you know. Ask my wife. Don't ask my wife. Stick to the kids. Just ask them, yeah? Because they'll, they'll tell you the truth that I, that I have moments. I'm glad the Bible doesn't lower the expectation of God. Because God has set this plan and purpose before us that for the world looks ridiculous. You can't live like that. That ideal, it's, it's, it, it's nuts. And we look at it and we think we can't do it. Praise God for Jesus. Because with him I can. Yeah? And that is what sets us apart from everybody else. It's not because we're better. It's because we've got God within us that has this plan and purpose. Like Mel shared a prophetic word for Sam, but as parents, we have, I, I guess, dreams and expectations for our children. Yeah? That we... Hope and pray that they'll reach. Now, we'll do everything that we can so that they can fulfill those things. God's like that, but better. He's placed the, the, these things before us, and he's actually given us everything we need to reach them. Like, that for me is awesome. So I'm glad that he hasn't lowered the expectations because the truth is, with God, everything is possible. And you and I, man, we're, we're his representatives, like, that's sad when I say that. I'm just trying to think the last person I flicked off that, you know, cut me off on the road. I'm, I'm, I'm his representative. Thank God I don't have a Christian fish sticker on the back of my car, yeah? Like, lucky. Lucky I've got nothing that says, I'm a pastor. That'd be terrible. He's a pastor. Did you hear what he just said to me? Yeah, but you cut me off. You know, like, we, like we have those moments. We're his ambassadors, you and I, and we all come from the same address. And there are days that we live holy and there are days that we struggle and we days that we, that we believe and God's good and in other days we actually need faith just to get to bed and wake up in the morning, yeah? The one who freely worships, the one who truly worships, according to verse 2, is blameless and righteous. So wouldn't it be disappointing, and this is a question I asked last week, if we received all his mercy and all his grace, everything, and then we just ignored it? And yet so many seem to live a life that's like that. Our walk, our walk is important. 
And this is talking about everything we do. It means our life. It means living a life that's worthy of the calling of God that you and I have received. And that's why the words can be so challenging because our worship and our walk need to be in sync. Yeah? They need to marry together. A, a true worshipper doesn't just worship on a Sunday, though we do. And, and a true worshipper doesn't just spend quiet time with the Lord, though we should because it strengthens us in our hearts. A, a true worshipper knows that there are times that we're going to step out of that blameless walk. But when we do we know that we can go to the Lord. And we know that we can say to him, hey, look, Father, hey, Papa, hey, Abba, however you, you spend your time with God, I've stuffed up here. I've actually, I've, I've fluffed it. I need your help. Make me, give me strength. Make me more like your son, Jesus. That's what we do as a true worshiper. We don't hide it. We don't sweep it under the, the rug. You know, you and I, we, are, we constantly, if you think about it, prepare ourselves for a life of worship. And the second point I made last week was it's not just our walk, but it's our talk. You know, our talk's important because verses 2 and 3 says, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to their neighbour and casts no slur. Man, I know that sometimes our worst moments are, where, are the things that come out of my mouth. I know I've said something that I shouldn't have said. You know, be it to family, to friends, to someone I don't know, someone I wish I didn't know, someone I hope I never know again, you know, like whatever it might be. You know, I, I shared last week that when Isaiah was caught in heaven and he saw the glorious picture of, of that throne room, the, the eternal throne room, and he saw God and, 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 the, and he saw the splendor of God and the angels, they were singing, holy, holy, holy. They were doing that and he was overcome with the majesty of God, yeah? Now, for me, if we step into heaven, there's a bar that's set pretty high because there's nothing like it. God's pure, he's holy, yeah? And when Isaiah comes back to reality, back to earth, and he tries to apply this in his life, the first thing he declares is, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Like, that freaks me out. He spends his moment with God, and then when he comes back, he goes, oh, phew, I've got a dirty mouth, God. You need to send your coal down and... You need to sanctify, you need to, man, you need to bless and fix the way that I speak. This was the best prophet in Israel, probably the most respected man in the nation spiritually. <laughs> and he goes, oh, woe is me, man, I am a man of unclean lips. And if we're to be truly honest, all of us, I think we'd all agree that some of the worst things we've ever done have come out of our mouth. And I guess that's why James has got an issue with it. You know, if we want to be whole worshippers, if we want to ascend the hill of the Lord and dwell in the sacred tent and be a whole life disciple, then this is an important area of our life. You know, and, and I have to mention some of the things that I mentioned last week because we can praise God as we've done this morning and worship Him and sing those songs and some of those lyrics. Like even as we were singing that song... Um, all of the songs for me were, were, were phenomenal, but for gratitude, it says, all that I have, you know, I'm giving him all that I have, yet it's not fit for a king. But what I have is a hallelujah, you know, like I, I love the words, all that I have. So it, this is all I have. I've got nothing else. This is what I offer to you. But in the same breath, it also means all that I have, everything that I've got, 
I'm, I'm giving everything and anything to him, yeah? It's this beautiful idea that, that we as worshippers, it's our whole life. It's, it, it's all of what we have and it's everything. It's all of us. Man, I, I'm in this body and soul, you know, every part of me. I, I can't worship with just half of me. It, it, it takes all of me, all that I have, everything. It, I'm giving it to you. This is what it's like to, to live a life of worship. You know, and, and if we're singing songs like we sang this morning, how can the same lips sing that, those beautiful words and in the, with the same lips say something so derogatory and pulling down and, and yuck? Because if we tried to put them together, they would be like magnets that are back to front. Just, they just won't go. They, they don't go. And as Christians, that stuff shouldn't ever come out of our mouth. You know, Matthew 12, 36, but I tell you that everyone... Not just the unsaved or the unchurched or whatever anybody else wants to say. But I tell you that everyone will give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word that we've spoken. This is really important stuff, yeah? Thank you, David, for pointing it out. Thank you, for Matthew, for writing. You know, a worshipper speaks truth from their heart, it says in verse 2. Truth from their heart. That's an important part of our discipleship. That's an important part of our worship. We're describing a whole life. So we're talking about walking and we're talking about talking. And now, with the time that's left, let's get through the last three points. Eh? <laughs> others. This is about others. Verse 3 says, Whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbour. Now we're talking about neighbours. We're talking about others. So there's our walk, our lifestyle. There's our talk, our speech. But, but there's also how we relate to our neighbours. How do we relate to others that are around us? How do we do that? Because you know, here for me, we can see the danger of the negative because you and I, we live in a fallen flesh. Yeah, we, we are prone to make mistakes. We're frail. You know, I'll, I'll be wonderful when I go to bed and then I'll wake up in the morning and you know, you've just got this chip on your shoulder. I think it was the other day, Mel, we were sitting down and I was drinking a coffee and she goes... What was with you before at dinner? I go, what are you talking about? She goes, you were just so upset. I go, no, I wasn't. No, no, you were. You were sort of upset. You were rude with, to, to everyone. I go, oh, no, I wasn't. The point is that because we live in a frail body, we're prone to those moments, yeah? We've got to be weary of those when we're around others. We need to be able to refocus to Jesus and say, hey, actually, I'm feeling off kilter at the moment. I just need some realignment here, you know? I'm feeling like I want to squash someone's head till their eyes pop out because that would look great as a cartoon only, right? But so God, just give me the peace that I need so I don't do that. I know none of you ever have pictures like that in your head. Ah, oh, praise God for that. So how do we relate to others? You know, yes, we're sons and daughters, but we're frail people. But as his sons and daughters, we have access to the king. And as wise people, the Bible says that we're wise in Jesus, we need to realize that we need his help. Yeah? Basically, we need his help. It can be so easy to cast a slur on neighbors, can't it? Like seriously, when we first moved to, to Mount Clear, one of our neighbors decided that the tree that was hanging over his fence, my tree, and I know legally I found out now, Legally, he's allowed to do this. So he cut off the branches that were on his side, which I've done to my neighbours, and I normally take them away and throw them in the bin or burn them. But no, no, oh no. He dropped them back on my side of the fence. Now, legally, in council, you're allowed to do that. 
But can I tell you, I'm being totally honest. Hope you're not watching at home. Man, there were some slurs that were casting. You know, like I was not having a happy day. What the fudge is that? Are you for real? Come on, can't you keep it on your side of the fence? Couldn't you burn it? You've got a green bin. Do you want me to put it in the green bin? For like, it's so easy to cast slurs on our neighbours. It really is so, so easy. And one of the dangers, because we now come out of a two and a half year pandemic, you know, where we've been locked at home, people have become less community minded. People have become so inward focused that sometimes it can be so sickening. You know, less connected to others, less sensitive, more selfish. All because our world got a little bit smaller. Yeah? You know, part of our neighborliness, if you like, is to speak the truth. Part of our neighborliness is to be a people that don't slander, that don't slur, that don't do wrong to our neighbors. You know, in a, in a world that's hungry for truth, for truth, you know, we could probably have a few of our media outlets outlets disappear because the, the reality is you don't know where truth's coming from anymore from one newspaper to the next one youtube news channel to the to the other one channel seven to channel they're all got different stories about the same story we don't know where truth comes from but i know this <laughs> i so know this as believers you and i we're a community full of truth like absolutely full of truth and there is no other community group anywhere in the world that is so full of truth as a community like this. There is none. There is none. As his worshippers, you and I, this church, we've learned to be neighborly. We've learned to be neighborly to everyone that we've met. We've learned to be neighborly to those that have walked through the door because we've learned to love them. Even if we disagree with life choices, even if you barrack for Richmond, Carlton, Collingwood, any team that's not the Western Bulldogs, we've learned to love you anyway. Even if you vote Labor or the Greens, we've learned to love you anyway because we need to be a loving people. We need to be neighborly. Even if you wear shoes that have got big, you know, heels on them. Like, no, no. Where's my son? No boy should wear shoes like that. Like just normal souls. But I've got to love him anyway. We've learned to be neighborly. In everything we do, we've got to learn to be neighborly. Just because someone's different, thinks different, does things different, doesn't give us an excuse not to be Christians. Yeah. Our language then and now will always be the same. Amen. So who, Lord, who, who can dwell in your sacred tent? The fourth thing, I love this one, it's to avoid unhealthy influences. There's no other way to put it, right? And it's an actual, it's a summary of verse 4, because verse 4 reads at the beginning, who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts, does not change their mind. You and I, we're not supposed to ever, you know, despise people. Fair? Yeah, some of you want to despise people, maybe? No, just checking. Um, Jesus told us to forgive our enemies. The context of verse 4 is all about holiness. It's all about his holiness. The context here is about being right with the Lord. And so holiness is this shiny, sparkly quality, if you will. And, and you and I, we're supposed to shine like stars. We truly are, yeah? The salt of the earth, yeah? Us. We're supposed to shine like stars. And, and, and at the same time, though, we need to make sure that the influences around us 
actually help us to grow in faith. Not the other way. See, wisdom is knowing when, when you're actually allowed to be around people or a person because you're ministering to them. Wisdom is knowing the difference when that person is ministering to you in the wrong way. I wonder how many spending time, too much time, with people that are influencing them in the wrong way. You know, we're not better, I said it before, we're not better than anyone else because we're believers. But in Scripture, it is really clear and there's a very clear line about who are his people and I hate to say it, who are not his people. Jesus, yes, Jesus died on the cross for everyone. That doesn't mean everyone has an eternity that's assured at the moment. Yeah? I believe there is an act on our part. We have to accept that, step into that, embrace that, grab hold of that. I don't agree with those that say, no, now that he's died on a cross and he's rose from the dead, he's done that from everyone, everyone's saved. They don't have to do it. I don't, I don't agree with that. I believe you actually have to accept that. In the same way, imagine if I said to Mel, would you like to marry me? And she said, no. But I went around saying, I'm married to Melanie. I'm, I'm married to, are you? I didn't know you got married. Oh, yeah, we're married. But she said, no. 20 years later, I'm still, I'm married to Melanie. Really? I thought she had kids with so-and-so. Oh, no, no, I'm married to Melanie. But she said no. You know, there's a, there's a part on, that we have to play here. Jesus goes, here's the gift. Will you marry me? Will you come into my family? Let me think about that for a minute. Hmm, heaven, hell, heaven, hell. All right, no worries, I will. You know, there's still a choice on our part. doesn't mean that we have the power. doesn't mean that we have control. It just means that he's being a gentleman and giving us a choice. We're not better than anyone else, but there is a clear line. The Old Testament is about God's calling and election of his people. Thank God for you and I that he sent Jesus. I am so glad that I live on this side of the cross and not that side. I'm so glad that I wasn't part of the Old Testament. I really am. No matter for all those that love the Old Testament, that's awesome. But I'm glad, and I bet you are too, that you're living on this side of the cross and not that side. Yeah? Thank God he sent Jesus so we can be a part of his family. But if anybody reads the Bible, there's a separation between God's people and not his people. Yeah. You know, I can promise you this. If you hang around with the wrong people long enough, no matter how spiritual you are, they're going to rub off on you. Your speech will change. The way you respond will change. Sometimes you'll just see it jump out. You won't even notice it. You know, for me, this seems to be a word about making sure that the influences that are in and around my life help me, help us in our walk and our talk. You know, there's um, a story of a lady and she's looking for a driver. She's looking for a, a, a chauffeur, yeah? Because she has to walk into town and she's quite old and it, it, you know, it would have taken her close to an hour, but the drive's 10 or 15 minutes and it drives around windy roads through mountains. It's treacherous, I guess. And so she's interviewing three people and she has one simple question for the people that she's interviewing. How close to the edge of the road can you drive? 
And so she interviews him, and the first chauffeur says, you know what, I can go within 12 inches of the edge. The second driver, he's overheard that, and he's thinking, I got this. I actually, I can go within six inches of the edge. The third chauffeur, though, he's a little bit smarter, and he says, excuse me, lady, I will stay well away from the edge of the road. In fact, I will hug the mountain and I will keep you safe. Which one do you think she chose? Of course it was the third one. Of course. But you and I, we're living in a season, we're living in an age that says, hey, how close to the edge can you go? You're allowed to go as close, you may as well go as close as you can because it doesn't matter if you fall over the edge, that God stuff is not real anyway. The things of God don't matter. David, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? For us, it's wisdom to make sure we build a lifestyle around us. Yeah, It's so important that we build a lifestyle around us that doesn't naturally and easily lead us into sin. We want to be influenced in a good way. And if you and I are influenced in a good way, those around us will be influenced in a good way. It's wisdom. It's wisdom to build a lifestyle like that. And that can be about the people we spend our time with. Yeah, It can be about the things that we watch on the TV, at the movies. It can be. And it's going to be different for everyone. It can be about the people that we get counsel from. Like if I've got marriage counselling issues, why would I go to a marriage to a counsellor that's never been married. Yeah? If I want to build my walk in the Lord, but I've got someone that's never understood sacrifice or etc., etc., you know, why would I go to them? Yeah, people make these stupid <laughs> mistakes all the time. Makes no sense. It really doesn't. Now, even in workplaces today, they're smart. Most workplaces say you need to have a supervisor. Not a supervisor that looks over your job and tells you what to do, but a supervisor so if you're having issues or problems, things you need to work through at work, you can speak to them. And because they've got experience, they can speak into your situation. Yeah? Even the world's worked that one out. Now, this is all about getting ready to worship our King and our God. You know, I want to be the best that I can be for him. You know, when I got married to Mel, I, I um, chew my nails. Just habit. I mean, I'm 52 and i 51. Pray for me. I still do it. When I got married to Mel, actually, I don't chew them. I sort of just pick at them like that. And then I flick them in your lounge rooms. Anyway, um, the point is, right, the point is, this is Mel saying, don't tell them that. They'll never invite us again. <laughs> what was that in my soup? Oop. Anyway, um, get back on track. When I married Mel, I wanted to be the best for her. She'd already said yes, but I actually stopped picking my nails so that on our wedding day, on our honeymoon, you can ask her, they were perfect. When we go out for dinner, I don't make as much effort now as I should. But when we're spending time together, I want to look good for my wife. If I'm getting out of the shower and she's walking into the bathroom, there was a time that I would have stripped the towel off and said, I'm your man. Now I get the towel and I breathe in and go, 
you know, so I look a little bit thinner. But I want to be the best person I can be for her. Yeah? It's, times change, you know, like times change. She's already said yes. You know, there's probably things that I could do that would make her love me less, but I don't know if there's anything that I can do that will make her love me more. When it comes to our God, it's not about getting him to love us more. It's not about that. But it's about wanting to be the best person that I can be because I am so in love with him. I want him to be happy. Now, he is happy. That's the brilliance of it. But it doesn't stop the desire within me to be the best I can be for him, to want to posture myself and get ready for worship. So when I come to church on a Sunday and I'm here and you see the back of my, my probably only thin part of my body head, right? When I, man, I've already been worshipping at home. I've already been worshipping during the week. I've already had moments with him because I just want to posture myself and, and, and I want to get ready for that moment of worship. So when we're here, I'm, I'm not looking and saying, I don't know if I like that song. You know, Who cares? It's not about the song. It's about the King of Kings and I just want to get ready to worship him. You know? There's one more thing to say. Generosity. Now, who are the true worshippers? Psalm 15.5 Who lends money to the poor without interest? Who does not accept a bribe against the innocent? Whoever does these things will never be shaken. We've got to recognise. I know some people are thinking, are you talking about money again? You know what? Yeah, I am. Totally I am. And you've got to recognise that part of our worship is giving. Part of our worship is giving. You're not robbing God when you don't give. You're actually robbing yourself of living a life as a true worshipper of the King. You can still sing your songs. You can do that and you're still saved. But there's a part of you that will never experience all of there is in Him because worship is our entire life and it includes our giving. It includes our tithes. It includes our offerings. I know what Stephen said. He gave 1%. That's great. But if you can't give a dollar off 10, man, you will never give 10 off 100. And you will never give 100 off 1,000. And you will never give 1,000 off 10,000. Man, don't start small and work up. Just give God what's his. Because that's what it is to live a life as a worshiper. Man, you're just trusting him. You're stepping out of the boat. You're living by faith. I don't feel like worshiping today. I don't feel like loving my wife today. Well, bad luck. Man, you've got kids with her and you live with her and you're in, living in a house with her. I have to love her today regardless. And we should be that and at times by affinity when it comes to God. I don't feel like worshipping today. I've had a miserable day. I got sacked at work. I got bullied at school. But you know what? I'm going to step towards the Lord and I am going to, with all of my life, all that I have, everything, I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to sing songs. I'm going to watch how I speak. I'm going to prepare myself. Because I don't know when he's going to come knocking. I don't know when I'm going to entertain an angel. I don't know when he's going to ask me to step out of the boat again. But I know he is. I know he will. I've got a call on my life. I know that. I'm not just going through life as a believer. I'm a believer that's going through life. 
who, who <laughs> can live on your holy mountain? You know, the second part of verse 5, it's all about integrity. And we need to make sure that we're living lives full of integrity. But this is about generosity. You know, I think sometimes one of our problems in life is we position ourselves around people that can be a blessing to us. And when they're no longer a blessing to us, they're no longer good for us. But the idea of lending to the poor without interest is saying, I'm not going to get anything back. I'm just going to help someone. I'm just going to be there for them. I'm going to be their helping hand. I'm going to be the Jesus they need in this part of their life. You know, there's a time to give. And I understand the Proverbs tell us that we should be wise about our lending. But to be a true worshiper, you and I, we need to be generous as well. You know, why don't we stand... The very person that helps us live out Psalm 15 is Jesus. And Jesus was the most generous man in the world. Though he was rich, he became poor, the Bible says, doesn't it? God is the most generous of them all. The one who created us forgave us and he gave us his son. And now, now you and I, we've got that power living inside of us, through us, through the Holy Spirit. That helps us to live generous as well. So it's our walk, it's our talk, it's how we deal with others. It's making sure that what influences us, influences us for good. And it's being generous. So who can live like this? You and I. With Jesus. With the Holy Spirit within us. The Holy Spirit within us. We are more than conquerors. And it's more than possible because God enables us. He actually enables you in every area of your life to live wonderful lives as worshippers. And when we stuff up along the way, this is the brilliance, yeah? This is playing Monopoly, get out of jail free card when you land on, go to jail. Man, when we stuff up along the way, the father loves a prodigal. He loves the one that just turns back to him. Says, you know what? I did this, I said this, I acted like that. The minute that we turn to him, he comes running. He comes running to us. Don't see this as a high bar, but ask the question, who, who, Lord, may dwell in your sacred tent? Who, Lord, may, may live on your holy mountain? You and I, we're the ones that can do that because of Jesus. Man, that's a reason to celebrate. Yeah? My prayer today is that we go away from this place not setting bars for ourselves, yeah? But out of the overflow of your heart, yeah? chase what God has purposed for you. Chase what he has planned for you. Because I know when I don't act right, I know the Holy Spirit goes, uh-uh. When I say the wrong thing, I know. Even if it's not the Holy Spirit and I'm at the football, I'll have a Christian sister or brother stand up next to me and go, really? Oh, dang, I forgot they were there. <laughs> it's about us just wanting to posture ourselves before the king not because he wants it not because he needs it because I love him so much and I want to be the best I can be because of what he's given me amen and he's empowered us he's empowered us as sons and daughters to live what he has placed before us with him amen that that's the true life of worship so why don't we just pray together amen Father, I thank you, God, for your truth. God, I just thank you 
Lord, I know it can be hard at times when we read the word and I'm sorry that so much of the world, so much of society, God, even in some, some church believer circles, God, they try to, to lower the bar, the expectation. But God, I, your expectation is not tied to my salvation. <laughs> You're just a daddy that knows that there's so much more. You're just a good father that has set such wonderful purpose and plans before us that you've given us everything we need to reach them. Not to discourage us and think, I can't do that, but to encourage us and know that we can in you. May today be a shift in our thinking, Lord God. May we know that we can because you're in us and with us. Father, I pray that we hear stories, God, of just people coming to faith because of the lives that we live. I pray, God, we'll hear stories of people questioning about you about Jesus because of the way that we talk father I pray that someone will come through the doors of church just because they've interacted with one of us and they've just felt the love flow God may we truly be your hands and your feet our whole body your whole body extended to those that need you in this earth on this place in this season Lord, we want to give you all the glory we want to give you all the honor you are the greatest gift Lord that anyone could ever receive you are the one true living God and we love you with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our souls, and God, and with all of our strength. And God, in this day, on this Sunday, we give you all the glory, all the glory, and all these people said, Amen. Hey, so let's live a life as worshippers, eh? Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday. <laughs>